hopefully Lord's Day, as we come to worship Him, we're singing together the paraphrase 18. Reminds us of the great day that is yet to be when the Lord will bring changes to the nations of this world and especially to the land of Israel. Behold the mountain of the Lord. <coughs> Let's rise to sing.
We're going to read Psalm 42. This is our psalm for today. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles. It'll not be on the screen. Let's turn in the Word of God to this psalm before we pray. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of the water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. We'll end our reading there, and as we come to pray, as we did last week, just eight days ago when the war broke out in Israel, and we had just really come back uh, from that area, we're praying for this land, a land that is so much mentioned in the Bible and a nation that is so much beloved by the Lord. So let's pray together. Almighty God and gracious Father, we come to this, your house, today in the attitude of worship. We come to spread the need at your feet, particularly for our time together, but for the many needs and the many burdens that weigh upon us. We come to worship our God this day in the beauty of holiness, and we pray for a sense of the presence of God, a real consciousness that the Lord is here. May Jehovah Shammah be written all across this service today. And may we be able to testify as we leave this place of worship. The Lord was there, and I met with him, and he spoke with me, and he challenged me. And there was a word for me to take home with me in my heart. Lord, it is ever our prayer that none will come to your house and go away without hearing God's voice. And so we pray from the outset that our minds will be prepared and our hearts likewise for this time. Rid us, Lord, of sinful things. 
cleanse us indeed from our sin and those other things that so often occupy our minds, many of them legitimate. Lord, take them away that we might think more about the Lord and why we're here. And Lord, in every hymn that we sing together, may we have a heart of worship. In every prayer that is offered, may we truly seek the Lord. And as we read your word and preach your word today, O Spirit of the living God, fall on this congregation, we pray, and minister through the power of God the Holy Spirit to every waiting heart, young and old, whatever the circumstances might be, Lord, minister to our hearts and help us by the grace of God to act upon the word and not to be the hearer only, but the doer of divine truth. We remember especially the land chosen by God, that land flowing with milk and honey, and that people who you brought to that land, the nation of Israel. And Lord, you have preserved them through the centuries of time. You've kept them as a people because we know your word tells us that they are special unto the Lord, that they are chosen not because they were greater than any other nation, but simply because the Lord loved them and he set his electing love upon them. And Lord, we know that you have a purpose for them. And even though there is blindness in their minds and hearts to the truth of God, yet there's coming a day we know from the book of Romans when the Lord will open their eyes to see. We thank you, Lord, for many Jews have, who have sought the Lord. And we know that within that country, there are those who love the Savior and recognize the Messiah has come in this time of war. Help them to be a tremendous influence for good in the spread of the gospel, in the witness that they would endeavor to give, even in the most difficult days. Lord, prosper your word and the preaching of Christ. And Lord, we pray that you will deal with wickedness, deal with immorality, deal, Lord, with, with violence. Wicked men shall not live out half their days. And Lord, we pray that you will bring this war to an end. And so meet with us now and bless this congregation. You know every family. You know every individual that's here. You know the burdens that they carry. You know the sick ones belonging to the church and those that sorrow this very day. We commit them in love into your care. Watch over them especially because we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a beautiful hymn. It's 364. Peace like a river is flooding my soul. Since Christ my Savior maketh me whole, sweet peace abiding my portion shall be. Every Christian should be able to say, Jesus my Savior is precious to me. Is he precious to you today? In all honesty, as you sit in the pew, can you say, yes, my dear Savior is precious to me at this very moment. And I'm glad to be here. I'm here to be with him in his presence because he's promised to be in the midst of a gathering like this. And yes, as I contemplate the Savior and all that he's done for me and all that he is, he's precious to me. If so, let's really sing this hymn with a joyful heart and with praise and adoration to our Savior. Let's rise to sing.
think of every line, every word. Really take this into your heart. Oh, precious Jesus, how lovely thou art. Come and abiding rule in my heart. Break every fetter. All those things that, that stand in the way of really knowing the Lord and seeing the Lord. Break every fetter. Thy face let me see. Then thou shalt ever be precious to me. Really think of the words. you welcome to the house of God today in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Glad to see all who've come. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad to have you. Uh, very glad to have my sister. We don't get seeing the family very often. They live at a distance, but to have them passing through, Pauline and her husband David, uh, good to have them. We trust that you'll be blessed even as you come here to Hebron. You know many of our congregation and we trust that the Lord will bless each one as we gather. Tonight, the gospel meeting is at 7 o'clock. With everything that's happening over in the Lord's own country, I want to speak on the subject, lessons from the war in Israel. And there's much to learn. And tonight, we want to talk a little bit about Israel and God's purpose and plan for Israel from ancient times and then come right down to the prophetic word as we have it in Luke chapter 21. So if you want to be studying a little bit beforehand, think of that chapter. And there's lessons to learn. And we'll look at that tonight, God willing, at 7. Prayer meeting is at 6.30. Please remember uh, the time when we get before the Lord to pray for the meeting tonight. The Tots meets in the morning, the Hebron Tots at 10 o'clock. So glad to see so many of the children coming in and the parents too and the witness that is made there. On Tuesday night at 7, it's the Youth Challenge, and it takes a very special form because it's one of the special nights, a little bit of extra time. It's at 6.30, bringing the children in earlier so that they can have um, a pizza together, a few games together, and then go into the children's meetings thereafter. So please pray very much for this special outreach as we seek to gather the children from our town in. Then from Tuesday the 17th to the following Tuesday the 24th, there is a trip to Romania, a small group from the church going out, mostly from the congregation here, my wife and I, uh, Philip Calderwood, Sean McCauley, Jamie Connor, Eileen Callahan, uh, Matthew Patton, Keziah Owens, Aaron Johnson, Luke Huddleston, just to let you know who is traveling. And 
We spoke about it this morning on the video, so if you want to know what we are planning to do, it's all there, and that'll take time this morning to do that. Remember uh, Matthew uh, Patton and his wife, uh, Isabel, because they have visited with us a number of times here, and they're actually moving to Balamoney. So they've sold their house in Scotland, and they're moving uh, to Balamoney. They, they like you so much that that's what they want to do. So when they come on the 5th of November, I think is the date they arrive here, make them welcome. I know you will uh, as they come to be part of our uh, congregation here at Hebron. As we think of the school's ministry, Castle Row Primary School is on Tuesday, Lislagan Primary School on Wednesday, and we're thinking of Wesley, our superintendent, going there on Tuesday, God willing, and Christina will be responsible for the Wednesday meeting. So let's pray that the entrance of God's Word will give light to the children. Thursday night is the midweek. One of our past uh, students here, uh, when he came to assist us for the final year at Bible College, the Reverend David Brown from Larne, is coming to minister the Word on Thursday night. Friday is the Youth Fellowship at 8 o'clock. David McCauley will be the speaker. I'll say something about David just in a moment or two. Then Saturday morning is the open air in the center of the town at 11 o'clock. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting is at 8. The Sunday school at 10.30. The Bible class at a quarter to 11. And Mervyn is dealing with the overall subject, Answers for Perilous Times. And it's a study from Acts 17. And it comes to the third message, the certainty of creation and its creator. Worship service, 12 noon, Mervyn will be preaching the word uh, at our service next Sabbath day. And in the evening time, Pastor Dennis Lyle will be coming to preach the word. We continue to remember the sick of the church. First on the list is James Wallace. James is still in hospital. He hopes to get out of hospital in the incoming week. And we do value your prayers on his behalf and the others. Each name there uh, we want to remember before the Lord, including right to the last of the list, little baby Jacob, uh, that the Lord will be with this little one. We were praying much for young James as well. Uh, James is from the Dungannon Church. He had an accident 17 weeks ago, and he's still in a very dark place, a, a coma hasn't really come out of that, and his family for 17 weeks have been sitting with him in the Royal Victoria Hospital. So again, don't, don't forget to remember James before God. As we pray for Israel, we are mindful of Ukraine and all that's happening. Um, I suppose when a new war breaks out and all the devastation that we're seeing on the television, it takes over from another war that's still ongoing. But there's still conflict there. People are dying there continually. Let's remember them before the Lord. I said I would mention something about David, and um, when we speak of David, we speak of Rachel and the family too, but particularly David and Glenn, because they have been accepted by Presbyterian missionaries to go to Africa, one to Uganda and one to Kenya. And when I say one, I include the family there they're not going by themselves. So we, we remember David, of course, before the Lord. Uh, he is one of our members. We've watched him growing up in this congregation into the young man that God has made him. And Rachel, too, 
coming to be married into the family and the wee family that God has given them. And this is a big step, as you know, uh, to go to Uganda in David's case and then for Glenn Hamilton and his wife and family to go to Kenya. Over the next little while, they'll be doing deputation work. Thinking ahead, if we can think ahead a few months to January when we have our missionary weekend, we're going to concentrate on those works that are particular to Hebron. So obviously Uganda will play a major part of that weekend with David, with Noreen. Noreen, in the will of God, will be coming home for Christmas, and she should be here for the missionary weekend, and she'll take part. She'll bring us greetings on that occasion. And there's, there's other things planned for that weekend. I have a letter from the mission board regarding our relationship with the Bible Christian Faith Church. Uh, we had worked with them for many, many years, but th this is a statement from the mission board, and it has come with the permission of Presbytery to be read in all of our congregations. With the permission of Presbytery, we provide this statement to clarify the situation with the Kenya Christian Academy. We are conscious that there is some uncertainty among our congregations about our relationship with the Kenyan school and its current status. The construction and operation of the Kenya school over the past 20 years was funded and supported by the mission board through the Bible Christian Faith Church and greatly benefited from the work of both Margaret Russell and Noreen McAfee. Over the past few years, the school has faced some significant changes which resulted in costs escalating and standards deteriorating in the secondary school. The mission board provided a financial analysis of the issues and the Kenyan Board of Management conducted their own review, which both showed that the secondary school was unsustainable. Despite these reviews, the Kenyan Board of Management refused to take the necessary decisions to scale down and close the secondary school in order to safeguard the primary school. Over the past three years, the mission board developed and presented three different plans to allow our funding to be reinstated with proper accountability reporting and representation. Unfortunately, the leadership of the Bible Christian Faith Church have successively rejected all three proposals. In light of this situation, we have now formally brought our association with the Kenyan School to a close. This has been a very difficult period for this work, and we are saddened that our association has been terminated. But we remember fondly the work that was carried out at the school, both spiritually and academically. We pay tribute to the faithfulness of all the workers, including our missionaries who labored in the school over many years to bring the gospel message to hundreds of young lives. And that is uh, in the service of Christ from our mission board chairman, Colin Mercer. There is an event that has been organized uh, to help with the work in the, the Philippines. If I can just mention that now, and you're invited if you're able to go. All the proceeds will be going to our brother Noel Stevenson. And there's a night when the Reverend McRae, Catherine Mitchell, David and Ashley uh, War Warwick, Ethan McKillen and Anna McTurnahan will all be taking part. So 
remember that it's in Mackerfelt in the main street. Tobermore Mackerfelt, sorry, is the address in the McKinney Memorial Hall. You'll see from the date is the 20th of October. I want to mention also that the church has received two new minibuses as a love gift. You may have seen them if you are on this side of the car park. And we want to thank the donors sincerely. We would not have been in a position to change our minibuses at this time in the church, but we are so thankful and grateful to the donor. And if you're leaving and you're not in a hurry, you can, you can walk that way and uh, see the minibuses. If you're not able to walk that way, there's a picture of them. All right. And the young people were in them on Friday night, and they had the first uh, trip. It was the the initiation of the buses going down to Ballymena for the special meeting there. Thank you for your prayers last Thursday night because we were at the Christian Workers Training Academy in Tandragee, and I was on first, and then Mr. Douglas, he was on after that, and that was the first night of the training course. Remember these young people, mostly young people, as they, they do this course of study. On a happy note, uh, we want to congratulate Paul and, and Anita. They've had a little baby girl, uh, Hattie, Anna, Mary. And we also congratulate the grandparents who are, uh, I'm sure, elated, Wesley and Helen, as they become grandparents again. And there's a wee picture of the lassie. You'll see very clearly she's another Macaulay. Uh, so we can gently pass that message on to Paul. Maybe, maybe she'll grow to be like him in the coming days. Now we bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord and remember the missionary council envelopes and the school covenant support. We sing together 488, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live.
the final verse, verse 5. Um, just let me mention Reverend David McMillan, not the Reverend David McMillan from Armagh that we know, but uh, a local pastor who has been off work recently and worshiping with us here. Uh, he went through a procedure on, he's had back trouble, and went through a procedure just on Friday. And we have been remembering him in prayer. Just want him to know that when his dear wife is with him today, that the Lord's touch will be upon him and that you will know the healing of the Lord. And we believe that. We're told to pray for one another that we might be healed. Let's stand and sing verse 5. All to Jesus I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation. Glory, glory to his name. Most of you that worship here know that we're doing a, a series in Mark's Gospel, and we come to uh, chapter 10 again, just four verses that we want to read, and this is message 92, if my maths has been right. Verse 28 for our Bible reading through to verse 31. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Well, we were to prayer as we come to the scripture. <coughs> Heavenly Father, it is your word and we thank you for the one who wrote this book, who moved holy men of old to write down the words of God. We believe in the full inspiration of the Scripture, and we believe that your word is relevant, it's up-to-date, it has a message for us in this century, and will have a message till the end of time to direct and to guide your people and we seek that guidance now in the Word. Help us to speak well of the Lord and help us to bring the message that you've given to me for this time. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. The surrendered life, just to 
put a little title on the message today as we think of the words before us. And if you mark verse 28, Peter began to say to Christ, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. This is the language of surrender, the language of absolute consecration to God. You remember that Moses called the people of his time to consecrate yourselves today to the Lord in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 29. And God says, my son, give me thine heart, as we think of Proverbs 23, 26. God wants your heart. I think that's the language of consecration and surrender. The same thought is brought out in Romans 12 and verse 1, a verse that I pray over every day, where we're commanded or encouraged, exhorted, whatever term you want to use, to present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The testimony of Caleb and Joshua in Numbers 32 and verse 12 really is the language of consecration and surrender, isn't it? Because they wholly followed the Lord. And the man that wholly follows the Lord surely is sold out to God. Of Paul, it is said in the New Testament in the book of Philippines in the chapter 3. You just turn to that portion for a moment, please, and, and read with me the verses in 7 and 8. Philippines chapter 3, verse 7. What things, he says, were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Counting everything lost for the Savior. That's consecration, isn't it? And so we read of the churches in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians 8 and 5 that they first gave their own selves to the Lord. And I think that's the same thought. King David in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 5 asked the question, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? And I think that's going to be the kind of question that will be put to our minds through this message as we think of the subject, the surrendered life. Who then is willing among this number here gathered in the church today to consecrate his life to the Lord? If you're not in the place of the surrendered life, if you're not in the place of holy following the Lord, who's willing? And I trust by the end of the message, as we listen to this passage of Scripture, what it's saying to us, that many of God's people will be willing. I trust that the, the response of your heart will be a little bit like that of Joshua when he says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. doesn't matter what other people do. doesn't matter what the person beside me does or across the church does. Says, as far as I am concerned, this is the, the thought here of Joshua, as far as I am concerned and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Come what may. C.T. Studd 
the missionary to China, you remember that famous statement that we ought to keep in mind, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Isn't that what Peter is talking about in this verse of Scripture in verse 28? Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. The disciples have just watched a young man walking away from the presence of Christ. We've, we've looked at him, this man that came running to the Lord, kneeled before him, wanted to know the way of salvation. How can I have eternal life? Wanted to get right with God, but there was a stumbling block in his life, and it was his riches. And when the Lord put his finger upon that, because he knew that within the heart of this young man, though he wanted to have eternal life, there was a covetousness about him, and he wasn't prepared to part with his riches. And when the Lord put it to him to sell what he had, take up his cross and follow him, the young man walked away. And the disciples have just watched that happening. And I think it's this that provoked Peter to speak these words. Well, well Lord, we're not like that. We're not like that man who was not prepared to give up for thee. We have left everything and we have followed you. Have you ever got to that place? In truth, have you been there, child of God? Have you ever been able to speak the words of Peter? Lord, we've left everything that we might follow you. I trust that by the grace of God, you'll get to that place today. I want to get you to that place by the Lord's help. Maybe there's somebody here and you're holding back from really going on with the Lord. But the Lord needs committed Christians, indeed workers in the harvest fields. He needs ministers. There's a great deficit of ministers through the whole country. And there are vacant churches. We need ministers to occupy those pulpits. And the Lord needs missionaries too to obey the Great Commission and to go into the world wherever that might be, whatever part of the world that might be, to preach the glorious gospel. And he needs workers in the local church to get involved in so many, many aspects of ministry, to do something for the Lord. We have a mammoth responsibility to our neighbors. There's a mighty work to be done in the kingdom of God, in the gathering in of souls, in the spreading of the gospel, and the winning of the lost. And you know, the laborers are few. It's the age-old lamentation of the church since the days of Christ. And I've often thought about that. If the Lord lamented when he was on earth, think about that, the Christ of God walking among men, God manifested in human flesh right here in the world. As he went about doing good and performing his miracles and preaching the word, even in the time of Christ, when you think that there would be many excited to follow him, the laborers were few, and they're still few today. Oh, what could be done for the Lord if only we had the laborers? And I think in part that's where the surrendered life comes in where more Christians come on board and they say, listen, I'm going to do something for the Lord. I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. 
You may have been thinking about the Lord's work. Just as you come to church today, maybe even unknown to me, you've been pondering over in your mind what you could do for the Lord. And the Lord has been calling you. And thus far, you, for whatever reason, have been hindered. You have been holding back and you're not prepared to pay the price. You, you haven't got to the place of Peter where you can honestly say, Lord, I've left everything to follow you. So may God speak and speak mightily to your heart as we think of the surrendered life. Three simple things I want to leave with you. First of all, let's come back to the text in verse 28, a declaration of surrender. I think that's what we have here as Peter speaks these words. I've left all, or we have left all, and we've followed thee. Christ does not ask everyone to leave all, like he asked the rich young ruler just prior to this statement of Peter. He doesn't ask everyone to leave all in that sense. He may. If there's an idol in your heart, if there's another king upon your throne, if you have put something on the throne of your heart where Jesus Christ ought to be, the Lord just might ask you to part with that and to give it up. The Lord does not, does want us to get to the place where we are prepared to leave everything for his sake and be able to say, or as we did earlier, sing with honesty, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Peter feels in his heart that he's reached that place in his life. Indeed, he, he seems to speak on behalf of the others. For it's in the plural. Lo, we have left all and followed thee. He could remember a time when each one of them had been placed in a position of challenge. When the Lord spoke to them, that really meant forsake everything and follow me. Can I take it back to Mark's account in Mark chapter 1? We could look at the other Gospels too, but just keeping our thoughts here with Mark for the present time, chapter 1, verse 14, we'll read from there. After that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And immediately, immediately, without hesitation, they came. They obeyed the Lord. The next verse tells us that straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. You'll notice the case that follows in the next couple of verses as far as two more brothers are concerned. When he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. In the incident that is mentioned by the gospel writer Luke, in Luke chapter 5, when, when they launched out into the deep and they let down their nets they, and caught a great multitude of fish. You remember the, the incident? The nets were breaking. 
Jesus told them on that occasion, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Borrowing from the catching of the fish, throwing out the net and drawing in the net with the fish, Jesus says, from now on, you're going to catch men for me. You're going to throw out the gospel net and you're going to gather in others unto me. The immediate response of these disciples was amazing and unequivocal. They forsook all, the Bible says, and followed him. Now, some years later, I think it's about three, but this is near the end of the ministry of Christ in this chapter. Peter is able to declare with confidence and conviction, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. I want you to see what I'm saying here. From the account in Luke chapter 5, in the early part of the Lord's ministry, we are told they forsook all and followed him. And now three years later, Peter's saying the same thing. Lord, we have forsaken all to follow you. Isn't it good to be able to say with the passage of years, I'm in the same place with Christ as I was in the first instance when he called me. Some, sometimes we, we get stirred up in our hearts at a convention, a special meeting, maybe even a mission time, special outreach time to serve the Lord. And the word that has come to us has been very, very powerful in its challenge Young people can yield themselves to Christ there and then and they can make resolutions and promises and a full intent in their heart to forsake all and follow the Lord. They can sing the hymn or the hymns with great resolve. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. They can say, I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. You've been in meetings like that, haven't you? Think of many of the Easter conventions that we've had in the martyrs. You think of times here where the word of God has come with challenge to our hearts and we responded and we give ourselves to the Lord and we consecrated our service to the Lord but sadly in many cases it fell away all too quickly just lasted a few weeks maybe a few months didn't last very long and the years passed and the surrendered life failed I want to mark Peter's words his declaration of surrender we have this this exclamation that he uses, lo, as he speaks to the Lord, lo, we have left all. That word lo just simply means, Lord, see. I want you to behold. I want you to look at what I'm going to say now. I want you to pay attention to this as he draws attention to the fact that he's left all. He calls on the Lord to, to verify what he is about to say. Lo, we've left all. Lord, I want you to see this. I wonder, could we speak in such a way? Could we ask the Lord today, Lord, I want you to behold my statement. I want you to look at my life and I want you to verify that what I'm saying is true. I've left everything to follow the Lord. And I'm not ashamed about it. 
not only the exclamation here, but there is the inclusion. We mentioned this. He says, we have all these men, all of them, Peter and Andrew, his brother, James and John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the publican, James, Simon, and even Judas, all of them, they had left all to follow the Lord. And we see his determination in this statement because he says, we've left all and have followed thee. Here's the ultimate goal of a surrendered life. It's following Christ. People give up all kinds of things for all kinds of reasons, and they make great sacrifices for personal reasons. But for the Christian in the surrendered life, it's not only giving up, it's not only forsaking, and that might be viewed, might be viewed in a negative sense, though it ought not to be, because anything we give up, it's not really giving up when we think of what we're going to do for the Lord, but it might be. It's not only giving up, it is having this ambition in sight to follow Christ. That's the very positive side of it, to serve Him with all of our hearts, to say in that little chorus, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Come what may, minding not the cost. And we have then his declaration, we have left all, everything. Now what did Peter, Peter leave? Well, obviously he left his occupation. He left his job. He was a fisherman. And he left the nets there left it with the family, with the family business, left it there to follow the Lord. He not only left his occupation, but I think he left his accommodation. Maybe came back to it from time to time, but, but he traveled with the Lord. The Lord was on a journey in his ministry, going here and there, and traveling around, preaching the word. And Peter left those things. And I think by the grace of God, if I can give some personal testimony to this, that I got to that place in 1981, and maybe a little before it, as the Lord was dealing with us before that, to go into Bible college. And I think we got to the place when we went in 1986 to Oldham Broad in England. We maybe didn't think much about it at the time because we just wanted to serve the Lord wherever the Lord wanted us to be. Lord, I've left all to follow thee. And we did for that period of time leave our country, we left our family. We went over and broad with, with David. He was only two and a half weeks old at the time. Very conscious that we were leaving grandparents behind. That was a big sacrifice for them, not having the grandchild, the first grandchild, or Susan's parents are concerned. But you get to that place. And you remember those few years ago when I received a call to another congregation? I believe before God, we got to the place where we said, Lord, we're willing to go. The congregation knows that. It's the session certainly know that that was the case. May, may we all get to this place in our lives. May we surrender to the Lord and, and say what Peter is saying here. Maybe God wants you to be a minister or a missionary. Or maybe the Lord is calling you to be, to be more involved in the local church or even to go and give a short-time service on the mission field somewhere even if it is on a, on a vocational Bible school for a few days. The true disciple of Christ is a man who is ready to forsake all for the Savior. He feels his debt, that debt in his heart when he thinks of all that Jesus has done for him. 
He feels the gratitude in his heart as he contemplates the cross and, and the payment of his salvation. He asks daily, in the words of Scripture, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? We come to the altar of sacrifice, putting it in, in biblical terms, and we just place ourselves on the altar, what we are, everything that we are, and we just say, Lord, here am I. I'm putting everything on the altar of sacrifice. All that I am, all that I could ever be. My talents, my time, my ambitions, my family, my finances, my possessions, my business, everything. Now, though this should be the true attitude of the believer, every believer, I was thinking about this, it is so applicable to the life and the work of the full-time servant, especially the missionary. Perhaps more than any other servant of the Lord, the missionary who goes to the foreign field, to a foreign country to spread the gospel and win souls, has given up more of the temporal comforts and blessings of this life than any other. Uh, and I always feel that a missionary is worth his or her salt, or whatever the expression is. I, I said that to David and to Rachel coming in this morning. So applicable to the missionary. The life and the ministry of a mission, missionary is not all romantic and dazzling and glamorous, full of glitter and blessing as sometimes it is conceived. It's a life of sacrifice, hardship, trial, turmoil, testing. Don't want to discourage David or Rachel, but I think they know this. We couldn't pray enough for our missionaries. We couldn't give enough to support them on the mission field. We couldn't think enough about them or stand enough with them. Having said that, the calling of the missionary is one of great reward. We're going to see that in a moment as you look at the other part of the text. But let's move on very, very quickly to my second point. There's a consideration of sacrifice. Look at verse 29. Peter said, Lord, we have left all and have followed thee. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. And so we, we come here to, to some of the specifics, the, the details. Certain things are mentioned by the Lord which these disciples undoubtedly gave up and which we might be called upon to surrender in order to really go through with God. House, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands. They bid farewell. Lord sometimes brings us to this place. It's a place of surrender and submission and sacrifice. It may be to leave our life's ambition. Don't we sing that? So send I you to leave your life's ambition. It's one of the songs that we sing. Maybe to leave your occupation. Maybe to leave your home your country, your family, maybe the comforts of the Western world in which we live. Perhaps the greatest test of a Christian's surrender and proof of his genuine devotion to Jesus Christ is observed when the love that he has to the person of the Savior is more than the love that he has for anyone else and anything else. 
He's a man who was prepared to put God first. His love and his loyalty to the master is before that which is nearest and dearest to him on earth. And this ought to be true of every Christian. Can I direct your attention to a little passage in the Gospel of Luke in the chapter 14? I want to read these verses just at the top of this section from verse 25. There's a little title here. It says, The Cost of Discipleship. Let me read to you these words. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, the Lord does not mean that you hate your relatives because the Bible clearly tells us our relationship and responsibility to them and we are to love them. But the thought here is that, that the, the love that you have for your family is, is so small in comparison to the love that you have for Christ. Verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, cannot be my disciple. The Lord's talking here about the cost. He's talking here about sitting down and counting the cost. And he uses the two illustrations that I don't need to go into. One man building the tower, a king going out to war in the other instance. The Christian manifests his readiness to give up all for Christ by giving up that which is most precious to him. I've indicated that the missionary finds himself in that position more than any other. He hears the call of God to distant lands. He longs to fulfill the purpose of God in his life. He is moved to obey. And, and he feels the love of souls in his heart. And he cannot rest while they are perishing. He sees the sacrifices and the dangers, but he is not dismayed. He leaves behind him home and country, family and friends, comforts and fellowships, and whatever he counts dear. Why? Because he's motivated by love. It's the love of Christ that constrains him, gets a hold upon him, and the love of souls as well. He thinks of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate example. If you want an example to follow, follow Christ. He left his home in heaven for a time. Moved by love, he left his father's bosom. He was rich yet for our sakes. He became poor. He tabernacled for a season in this wretched world. He took upon him the form of a servant. He partook of our nature and our sorrows. He was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes. No sacrifice 
was greater than the sacrifice of Christ, especially when you get to the cross. And Jesus went there and he died in our place. And the missionary, you see, follows in his footsteps. Farewell to family. Farewell to friends. Farewell to house and lands and business and, and ambition and comforts and luxuries and all that we hold dear. The consideration of sacrifice. I have one final short point to make. We have it in verse 30. There is the remuneration of sacrifice. Praise God, the work is rewarded. The sacrifices are recompensed. The surrendered life is remunerated. And verse 30 says, as he said in verse 29, you haven't left these things, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren, sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. There is recompense of reward, the Bible tells us. God is no man's debtor. His blessing will attend. The language here simply means the faithful disciple will be well rewarded. In this life now, Jesus says, he shall receive an hundredfold. Well, God gives new friends, new relations, new companions. Sometimes even more loving and faithful and valuable than before. His presence is there and his fellowship will be precious. There will be sufficient to make up for all the losses in this life and in the life to come. Eternal reward. They have eternal life, which is more than 10,000 fold for all their losses. Their light afflictions which will seem as nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed. They will have treasure in heaven to be occupied in the work and service of God is the highest glory of man, the chiefest happiness of the renewed mind and the most blessed outcome known to man. May the Lord get us to this place today. Some of you have important decisions to make right now in church as you sit there. Important decisions to make with regard to the local church. Important decisions maybe even with regard to the ministry or the mission field or some other sphere of service. May you hear the call of God, follow me. And may you give the willing response, here am I, I will follow. I will immediately forsake all and follow. Put all on the altar of sacrifice today. Came across a hymn many years ago. I was looking it up in preparation for this message. Let me read it to you in closing. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Would you walk with the Lord in the light of his word and have peace and contentment alway? You must do his sweet will to be free from all ill on the altar. You're all you must lay. Oh, we never can know what the Lord will bestow 
of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul he doth fully control and are all on the altar is laid. Who can tell all the love he will send from above and how happy our hearts will be made of the fellowship sweet we shall share at his feet when our all on the altar is laid. And the refrain is, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. No, I, we have left all, everything to follow thee. Are you getting to the place? Is the Lord challenging you? I trust that he will do a work of mighty grace in your heart and mind this very day. Let's pray. I feel as we prepared for this message, even now as we preach, it's like a, almost like a convention meeting. God is speaking. God's calling. God's putting his hand upon our people this day. I don't know what's happening in your heart because I can't see that. But I know I've been blessed and I give myself to the Lord afresh. May, may the Lord work in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Something real, something definite, something lasting. Not something that you're going to say today and forget about tomorrow. But something like with these men during that three years. Oh, they were imperfect men in many instances, but they had left all to follow the Lord. And they're able to say that three years later, Lord, we left everything to follow you. May God give you grace to place your life on the altar of sacrifice for him. And may the great motivation be the Savior himself. May the love of Christ constrain you and God is working in your heart. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or put a hand up or come to the front. We could do that. But if God's doing something, we want to hear about it. We want to pray with you. If you need to talk to us, maybe the Lord's been speaking about some kind of service. We're here. We're here to talk with you. Oh God, our Father, you've spoken today. You brought us to see Peter and these men with this testimony that they had. We've left all. Give us the grace to do that, to bring everything to the Lord, to place it all on the altar of sacrifice, the dearest idol, the greatest, most cherished possession, the thing that we would often put first in our life. Lord, may we get it to the altar of sacrifice and may the Lord in his work and his kingdom and his glory be everything to us most important thing in our lives, the thing that drives us every day, hear and answer our prayer and raise up from this congregation, ministers, missionaries, workers in the local church, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I can hear my Savior calling. We'll sing it together, 499. Take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Let's rise to see.
he'll give you grace and glory. Whatever he's calling you to do, he'll give you grace. Heavenly Father, dismiss us now with your blessing. Let your word linger. Let it challenge. Do us good and give us obedience and conformity to the will of God. Work on in our hearts through the afternoon. Bless us tonight as we come to think about Israel and what we can learn from what's happening there. In Jesus' name, amen.